All right. Well, we are back for episode nine of the Blazing Cards podcast, and we have Cody Angeloff joining us. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, no problem at all. It is no problem at all. Yeah, I really appreciate it. We haven't actually met in person, so I appreciate you kind of doing uh, this favor. But I know whenever I ask people for like their top five players, your name always comes up. Oh, for like the current the yeah. current state of the game. Okay. Yes, he must be killing it. Yeah, uh, I I'd say I'm probably like the first or second best right now. It, okay. It's either me or Jesse. It, yeah. It's yeah. That's, that's who the other name that comes up. Uh, do you mind just starting off listing your accomplishments? Um, my accomplishments, sure. Uh, so I have twenty tops, um, two wins. One being nationals, one being a YCS. Uh, I got top four at Worlds this past year. Wow. Um, half of my tops are top four better. Really? That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. So usually whenever I top, I usually get pretty far into the tournament. Yeah. Wow. That's that's pretty rare because I feel like most of people's tops are just like top 16, top 32s. And then, yeah. you know, yeah, they just kind of fall It's a out. lot of people that are like that. Yeah. Wow. Um, how, so how long have you been playing the game for? Uh, I started the game in 2002, but I've been playing competitively since 2013. Right after uh, like that Nationals, the Dragon Ruler Spellbook Nationals is when I decided I wanted to actually like start like playing competitively. Mm. Is there something that like led you to making that decision? Um. So the 2013 Nationals was my first event. Well, my oh, wow. not my first event, but my first nationals. Gotcha. And, that's my last one. It's funny. And I lost on the bubble, and it felt really bad. And that's pretty much what just like jump jump started everything. That like the competitive side of me just didn't like that I lost on the <laughs> bubble, and I wanted to like actually like do well at like uh, the next like nationals and YCSs and all these different types of events. Gotcha. That makes sense. What What were you playing? Did you play spell books or did you play? Uh... Dragon Ruler. I played Spellbooks. You played Spellbooks. Okay. Yeah, I, I think played I played Spellbooks too. I don't think I actually played that year, but I was like, ah, screwed. I might as well LCQ just to see what happens. And then I like won LCQ and played a Nats, but I don't remember <laughs> how it actually went. Um, so how quickly after starting to play competitively did you start traveling? That kind of was that kind of the same step for you? Um, well, my first YCS was in 2011 during okay. the Samurai format, the Three Gateways Samurai format. Mm. That was my first YCS and uh, I believe it was Dallas, I believe. I believe it was Dallas or Austin. It was one of those places. Mm-hmm. And after that, like, I, I've been going to, like, regionals every now and then, but not, like, consistently. Sure. Uh, ma- mainly to, like, go hang out with friends and whatnot. Uh, more of, like, a small vacation, get away from school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but after that, uh, after 2013 nationals, um, I started going, trying to go to as many YCSs as possible, even though I like my first YCS that I flew to was probably like 2017. Oh, uh, wow. I st- yeah. I still like drove to a lot of them though, but like, I gotcha. never like committed to like buying plane tickets and stuff until like 2016, 2017. I see. Uh, and so how long until you started playing competitively did you get your first top? Uh, I got my first top, the first event after uh, that 2013 Nationals. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you feel because like you were... I... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to ask. So you feel like you were already kind of ready to take that that next step as far as topping? You were already pretty well marinated and everything. Yeah. Um. So I back uh, in 2013, like 2012, 2013, uh, I played on Dueling Network a lot. Okay. And, like I grinded. Um. I grinded a lot and like stayed in the top ten like every single format. Oh wow! So like I I knew that I wasn't like bad at the game. It, it's just like I didn't have the like the motivation at the time. Mm. I, I guess is what it was. But after uh, losing on the bubble and feeling how like actually feeling how bad it was to like not top when you're that close, it, it just like made me want to top even more and like start winning and all of that. Wow! So would you? I assume you would attribute like your um your quick improvement and also just like your level of play to, to grinding dueling book quite a bit and doing yeah. network. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Uh, the online sources like dueling network definitely helped me a lot hmm. because like, I remember like whenever I was younger, like I, I grew up reading, uh, um, duels grounds, uh, Pojo, all that. I grew up reading all that, all the different events and all the uh, coverage that Konami gave and upper deck at the time gave for these events. Yeah, yeah, I was a big Pojo and uh, not as big of a Duelist Grounds guy, but I used to love Pojo when I was like 2005 yeah. when I was like 10 or something. I was always on that. Um, how so when you're playing Dueling Book or Dueling Network and you're like slowly starting to get better, are you like going back and analyzing your matches or maybe like recording them so you can play them back or anything like that? Or are you just kind of getting repetition in there and just kind of slowly learning from, from mistakes? Um, for me. Uh, I only play uh, online now whenever I stream. So okay. I, I never really play off stream. So uh, if I want to go back and watch them, then I can in my uh, VODs and stuff. Yeah. Okay. I guess this is more for like when you were just getting better. Oh, whenever I was getting better? No, I yeah, just like, like kept, I kept going into the pool like and just like trying to learn. Gotcha. That, that's literally I like the more times that I lost the more I would learn because you win more, uh, not win, but uh, you learn more from your losses than your wins. Mm -hmm. So like if I lost a game like on the ladder, then I would, I would uh, pretty much figure out like why I lost and then just go straight back in and just keep doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That seems to be uh, a common theme from the people I've interviewed so far. As they go back, they kind of replay what caused them to lose and then they figure out ways that they can, kind of improve or play around the card that they lost to or played into. Exactly. Um, so do you feel there was, do you feel you must've made an additional jump from 2013, 2014 to getting your first top to being at this level right. now that you're at, do you feel, how do you feel like you made that next jump from like pretty good to like great? Um. So when, whenever uh, I got my first top, I didn't really know anyone except like dueling network people at the time. Uh, at the time, uh, I only knew uh, Joe Bogley at the, okay. because uh, he was the only one that like actually responded to me. Uh, oh. Weird enough, he, he was the only <laughs> one that responded to me, and so I would talk theory with him, and then uh, we we made a deck, and I played that deck and got my first top with it. Mm -hmm. Um, after what deck that. Was that? uh ghost tricks actually ghost tri okay it, it was uh ghost tricks um very weird very uh non-meta deck but <laughs> a good meta call i think um after that uh after i topped that first event uh it actually helped me um get more recognition to my name 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I became a sponsor player of the car guys. Oh, wow. And then uh, whenever I got sponsored from the car guys, I was able to uh, start networking more with more of these uh, big name players. Like uh, uh, Patrick was on the team at the time, but uh, Ben Lever was on the team. Desmond Johnson was on the team. Mm. Um, these people that were very close to Pat, which I think is the best player to ever play. Uh, it, it really uh, helped me uh, network and like mm-hmm. start grow- growing my uh, skills as an individual yeah and be able to take my game to the next uh step and figure out like okay why are these guys topping consistently and why am i topping every now and then mm-hmm. and then like I, I would just pretty much just like watch them play every time and like i would just ask a whole bunch of questions hmm. just like asking like analyzing their moves and asking them why they mm-hmm. made one play instead of another exactly like why did you summon this and not this or why did you go into like make this monster first instead of this other monster and then yeah pretty much just stuff like that it's hard that seems to be like the catch-22 of like you have to top for people like other good players to recognize you and and want to talk to you so then you kind of grow from that but then you have to get that top first and you know you aren't usually as good until um well you know what i'm saying yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I worded that mean. badly, but but yes, like nobody will pay attention to you when you suck, and then all of a sudden you're good and people will. But it's like, how do yeah. you get good before they're willing to to pay attention? Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot harder back then, though, because we didn't have as many resources as we do now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, now we have Dueling Book, we have uh, YouTube that does all these different like online analysis, all that. We have YGO Scope that lets you look at literally anyone's games. And yeah. like watch plays for any games. Uh, you have Facebook groups that run like tournaments and stuff. Uh, you have coaching places that will allow you to uh, get coached if you need to. Like, there's just so many resources for the players uh, in the game currently than there were back then. Where back then you only had like articles online that you could read from like ARG and sure. the <laughs> and then play on like dueling network and like you you actually had to work back then and like if you wanted to get better then you had to put the time in and mm-hmm. actually like want to get better back then where now you can't like now you can like uh put like half of your motivation in and like get mm-hmm. a top yeah where, like back then it, w- it was just so much harder yeah it was more of like a time investment back then mm-hmm. well that's kind of good for people to know that's that's uh, something no one's pointed out that, yeah, there's so many more resources there where you don't have to spend all your time testing. You can just kind of use the resources exactly. to to get better quicker. Uh, I want to go back for a second. You said Patrick. Also, Logan. there's a lot more events now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you said Patrick Hoban is the best player you think to ever play the game. Did I hear that right? Yes. Okay. Um, yes. What, yes, you did. Yeah. I, I think Patrick's the best player. What What makes you say that? Because that's uh, and he very oh, well I, may be, but it's a big, but it's a big statement. So I'm curious as to yeah. why you think he's better than you or Jesse Cotton or some of the bigger names like Adam Corn or Dale Belito who came before. Because you've been in the game for so long, so I think you yeah. kind of have a good idea of. Yeah, because like, um, personally, I don't even think I'm in the top ten or like, uh. Hmm near that i i think i'm like top 15 maybe maybe but mm. it, it's a long shot same with jesse i don't think he's top 15 either i think we're both about tw- like 16th and 17th 
Um, but Patrick, whenever he played the game, he would top every single event. He would literally create the meta every single like time he played. He he would he revolutionized deck building. Um, he and like like I said, like whenever you go to an like whenever you would go to an event, everyone would be around Patrick, and mm-hmm. like seeing like what he's playing. What cards do I need to pick up? Because everyone knew he was going to top because <laughs> he, he was just so far ahead of the time. <laughs> and like, uh, for instance, like his upstart theory, like playing upstart in every single deck, like with him, like bringing stuff like that out into the open and like people, because people wouldn't fully understand like what it meant to like play three upstart in every deck. And, uh, uh different card choices uh now people actually have like uh different types of um what are they called uh like math uh generators i guess mm-hmm. where you can like math out your deck and like see like probability of like drawing such card as a one of as a two of three of etc and like such a, a deck patrick was doing that back in like 2014 though mm-hmm. and like every every single one of his decks almost uh barring like probably like five decks out of his from 2013 until he quit were all just very very good decks and looked at as the best deck for uh the event that he played it in um and even though he may not have the credentials as someone like uh galley that's went to worlds five times one worlds uh the effect, the, like the amount of impact that Patrick had on the game itself, I value higher than having uh, these credentials. Hmm. That makes sense. Well, is there um, one, because you were, it seems like you were kind of close to him since you knew Desmond and, and Ben. Um, is there one big thing that like you learned from him that you, that like kind of changed the way you play or see the game? Or is it just kind of, every just like you said kind of all the little things like every time every event he played in he would define the meta it's uh, I, I wasn't really like close close with them like that but mm-hmm. uh they only lived like three hours away from me so sometimes i would go to super games to their locals and like at regionals i i would always see them and like at events i would always see them like we knew each other on first name basis and all that gotcha but, uh pretty much um i mainly picked up like the value like i improved my technical play a lot obviously mm-hmm. but like the bigger point that like helped me was like the deck building point because like being able to understand like why am i playing this card in my deck and why am i not playing another card and like actually being able to give good reasons of why i'm playing this card and why i'm not playing this card hmm. like that's like pretty much the best thing that i can take away from it gotcha that makes sense. Um, have you? Uh, I'm kind of unfamiliar, unfamiliar with what's been going on the last couple of years. But is there a deck that you've like revolutionized or kind of brought into existence that maybe is because of that? Um, decks that I've revolutionized. Uh, I guess uh, Synchro Fusionists in 2016. People know me from that. Okay. Um, another deck I guess is. It's always between like me and Jesse, though it feels like. Because, yeah. Like Thunder Dragon, like me and Je- like Jesse won the event right before Nats, and then I won Nats with the Thunder Dragon deck. 
gotcha. like our builds were different uh <laughs> we pretty much just kept expanding on the deck um what what other decks uh true draco striker i did very well with that deck um and there was only like two other people playing the deck oh wow um you're really on that uh besides that i i usually only like stick to the mainstream so, gotcha so, uh mainly whatever i think is the best deck mm-hmm. um and usually the decks that people don't know about are usually not the best decks yeah i think no, will that give me the best chance to win yeah no absolutely uh i know you mentioned the facebook groups for tournaments are you in charge of of luxury gaming or you have a big role in that um luxury is my sponsors right now okay so uh i i'm at also an admin on the page so i help gotcha, run the page um i'm okay. a, a sponsored player from them so okay. i help like run the tournaments uh whenever lcs's are going on um i can't like if they need me to help i will help them mm-hmm. like uh sometimes i help stream on their twitch and stuff like that to help them grow uh, okay it's pretty much like a big family pretty much gotcha yeah i wasn't sure exactly what your connection was but i wanted to at least bring it up just in case you had a connection to it so you could right. give it a shout out or or anything like that is there anything you want to tell people about the tournaments you guys are putting on and um how oh, you yeah. think it's like benefiting the community and everything oh yeah well obviously with like uh all these times with uh covid and all that mm-hmm. like there's no irl play so uh, we run pretty much the biggest um, Yu-Gi-Oh tournament group uh, on Facebook, and we host uh, these YCS level events um, once a month. I, I'd say sometimes we host them two a month, two times a month, but usually uh, uh, they're once a month. Um, prize pools are like insane. Like if two hundred people enter a tournament, then the first place gets two thousand dollars. Wow. like six boxes a trophy a mat second place gets like a thousand dollars and so on and so forth like we we honestly only rake like out of like the entire prize pool we only rake like probably a hundred dollars for ourselves and that's to pay staff wow. as well yeah okay wow it seems great it seems like a really good alternative for for playing right now right and you have your own Twitch too, I assume that's separate, right? Because I know you're you yeah, stream yeah. a lot. Yeah, what, what's I, uh, the name of that? Uh, my Twitch is twitch.tv slash Cody Angelov. Uh, that is my Twitch. I stream every single weekday from 12 p.m. Central to pretty much whenever I feel like uh, ending the stream or if I need something to do or something like that. Uh, I do it full time, so I'm there every single weekday. Wow. Um, yeah, I I pretty much offer very informative uh, gameplay for the most part. Uh, like if people ask questions, I'll answer them as much as I can. Um, I will show them like what I'm playing. Uh, for instance, like today I played Live Twins and uh, Drytron today. I played two different decks because that's what people are wanting to see right now. So mm-hmm. I played it the way that I think it should be played and like they get to see um my thought process while i'm playing the deck um seeing my lines of play and pretty much what i'm thinking the entire time wow yeah that sounds incredibly valuable people will definitely have to um check that out i'll make sure to put the link and also the the facebook link for luxury gaming too in in the description of the video 
so what what deck do you think is the best deck right now currently? Um, I'd probably have to say Drytron. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it didn't like win the uh, last LCS, mm-hmm. um, Virtual World did. I just think that Drytron is very very underdeveloped right now, and there's just so much potential for the archetype mainly because like the archetype can use any ritual monster ever printed in the entire game's history like it can use any ritual so like there's honestly just limitless like uh uh different ways to go about building the deck and playing the deck Mm -hmm. in combos Hmm. what i I, i'm not super familiar i mean i saw jesse's deck list Mm -hmm. um but why exactly can it use like any any ritual just has ways of searching everything Um, and yeah so uh you play the generic ritual cards like uh manju uh preparation rights all these types Mm -hmm. of cards that let you add uh different rituals from your deck to your hand and their ritual spell uh medianus uh drytron or drytron medianus i can't remember the name it's something (laughs) like that uh it says that you can send um drytron monsters from your field or hand to the graveyard and then special summon back any ritual from your hand or graveyard to the field with the less wow. less or equal attack to the drytron monsters you sent oh wow okay and also another cool. big part is it says that this uh this card can be used to ritual summon any ritual monster oh wow all right yeah oh yeah so that makes sense then so uh i take it you're a big fan of this new set then genesis impact yeah yeah yeah, I'm it- a pretty big fan of it, actually. It, it's offered, like, a new deck because the last deck that I actually liked a lot was the Adamant's Pater deck, the Rock deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a big fan of that deck. Uh, I liked playing that deck a lot. It was fun, and Drytrons feel like the same deck, pretty much. Gotcha. It's just very underdeveloped right now, I believe. Do you have, like, a favorite card from, from the set that you think kind of stands out among the rest? Uh... I don't really think there's like a card since most of it was uh, archetype related, mm. but uh, I think that the uh, Magistus uh, card, um, the Link one, it's very weird because it gives a boost to like a lot of different decks. So that like, uh, for instance, like there is a lot of Alter Geist this past weekend at the LCS, mm. uh, and they were able to play the uh, Dogmatica engine in it all because of this one card that came out. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. That's nice. It kind of adds some some variety to the game. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the new ban list that, that came out recently? Um, I thought it was fine. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I, I thought hitting Linkross and the Dragon Buster was very good. Same with Smoke Grenade. I thought all the bans were very, very good. Um, but that's pretty much all they did with the list. Uh, even though they only hit like those three cards and like brought cards back to two and three that didn't really matter. Um, but these three bands shifted the meta just on their own, like just mm-hmm. hitting these three cards, it shifted the meta for the most part. Was there anything you think should have been banned that wasn't? I know some people are talking about like VFD. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of cards that should be banned <laughs> right now. Like the, the card pool is just so overpowered right now. Like VFD is one of them. Like uh, LP, I think that card should still be banned. I think Isol should be banned. Oh, wow. uh, obviously Neo Fiber, but that card's not going to get hit for a while. I think Sanguine should. I think that card should get like hit to one, hmm. maybe Slan, whichever one. I think uh, one of those cards should have definitely been hit 
though. Um, and there's like plenty more as well that should have been hit. But like those are just the ones that come like immediately to mind. Gotcha. Um, sorry, my internet was going a little weird. I think it's better now. Otherwise, I'll have to. Yeah, yeah, it's better now. Change spots. Okay, cool. Uh, so it's cool since you've seen the game from 2002 to 2020. Do you think it's become more skillful over time? Say from like go format to now. Um. Um. Well, the thing is, like, what would you define as skillful, though? That that's the thing. Like everyone has their different definitions of skillful. That's because fair. like because people uh the people that think uh skillful formats are the ones that uh you can grind back and forth, uh have multiple turns or so like uh big combo decks in the meta, like mm-hmm. people consider that skillful where uh different um people will think that like i like uh these very tier one formats that have these overpowered combo decks so it rewards uh deck building a lot more uh they will consider this more skillful because of the deck building uh way uh that the game has introduced now um for me uh i i i probably say that the game was more there's a lot more variance now there's a lot Mm -hmm. more variance now because there is are those hands that you can just uh that you could just draw no hand traps and lose like there are those types of games and those types of formats but then again there are the games and the formats where you do draw these cards and then you have a grind game between the two of you as well Hmm. um where a lot of this goes back once again it goes back into deck building though and how you build your deck and how Hmm. uh what deck you play and all of that gotcha so uh personally uh it it was probably more skillful in that regard because there wasn't uh as much variance back then i see okay that makes sense yeah i guess if i were going to define skillful i would think that the the odds of like the most or the the more skilled player winning matches but then it would be like skilled as far as deck building or um you know actually playing yeah it, so because I, at that point it, it's either do you think it's most more skillful uh deck building or technical play mm-hmm. because like both of these have a great impact uh whenever you sit down at a match yeah so that makes sense. It, it really just depends on the type of uh way you think because deck building i think deck building now is a lot more skillful than it was. But yeah. I think the technical play was a lot more skillful back then. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially now that there's like uh, all these math generators and everything. Mm-hmm. It seems like people have really taken deck building to a whole nother level right? Uh, versus what we did back in the day. Uh, did you ever have like a, a big breakthrough moment where you feel like it kind of propelled you to a new level like i know for me it was when i like had multiple back rows face down and got heavy stormed and something just clicked where i was like oh i didn't need to have sack red through mirror force and dimensional <laughs> prison face down or something you know i'm like right. if i just had one of them i would have only lost one card and i would have been just as protected in like 99 percent of scenarios and then my breakthrough as in like oh it changed me like from there on out yeah um let me think or something just like clicked and you're like, um, uh, probably in the striker matchup. 
probably mm. probably uh whenever striker came out um it, it helped a lot because that deck actually made you play very well or else you will get punished and lose mm. and uh whenever i was playing against uh people from the ocg who uh people were guard to have the best technical play in the world um i was playing against people in the ocg and they just like kept destroying me because my technical play was just that bad uh with the <laughs> this deck and then um i pretty much got them to like teach me like why are you doing this and like uh pretty much teach me uh the way that they play uh technically and it helped me a lot uh with future formats and the, the format that i was in at the time as well that's really cool where where were you getting to play people from the ocg is this uh, I have friends that uh, oh, okay. um, I have friends that uh, are transfer students that uh, came from uh, the one that I'm talking about. Uh, he's from Korea and gotcha. he he transferred over here to uh, America. And I <laughs> met him whenever I was doing the regional grind, actually, oh, to wow. uh, go to Worlds. Gotcha. And uh, he taught me uh, a lot about the uh, format uh and pretty much how to like play that matchup yeah wow that seems like a big advantage do you do you pay attention to like what's going on in the ocg so that you know like how to play decks when they get released here or like what how to build the decks and everything um not really uh i i think that the ocg uh I think the way the OCG build decks is completely different because uh, our formats are completely different. Like, for instance, they have Maxi and we don't have Maxi. So they literally have to dedicate their entire, like, the mm. entire way they build their deck towards Maxi. And, like, here, we don't really have to, like, fear that. Gotcha. Um, I, I personally think that TCG players uh, build their decks a lot better, though. Oh, wow. Um, But I think the technical play of the OCG players is a lot better. That's interesting. It makes it seem like it'd be like a cool, um, a cool balance to have at Worlds, where it's like you might get the answer to that question of what's more important: deck building or uh, technical play. Right. Um, you. The thing is, though, as well, is whenever you go to Worlds, like the uh, the more um, uh, conservative type players will get rewarded more because uh, you only have like a month to build your deck. Uh, with this uh, generated ban list hmm. since they take the OCG and the TCG and pretty much put the list together. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually the more conservative uh, players win, which is why the OCG usually wins because their technical play is just better than ours. Like hmm. there's no, uh, there's no question about it. Um, but if there is a person from the TCG being in a or Europe and they figure out some crazy combo deck, then the OCG players are going to have a very hard time because they figure like the, the uh, TCG player figure out this insane deck. Mm -hmm. All the OCG players are going to play these more control decks. Gotcha. And I think that's the reason why the OCG players usually win though, because the TCG players usually fall uh fall victim to playing the more control decks as well and hmm. then just getting outclassed from those yeah players. what what did you play when you when you finished fourth at worlds or top um, four 
I played a Thunder Dragon, a combo Thunder Dragon. Okay. Um, so I played a combo deck, a very unfair combo deck. And <laughs> it's funny that you ask me this because uh, yesterday on stream, I replayed my uh, top eight uh, match from Worlds, actually, against uh, Jake Quincy. And because he want, he wanted to have a rematch and made, made it best uh, two out of three matches. Okay. Um, to see how that would go, and uh, I played my Thunder deck that I played uh, at Worlds, and he played the Salomon Great deck, the combo versus control matchup, and I beat him two zero in matches, mm. uh, both times because my deck was just uh a lot better than his. Yeah. It was a lot more unfair, and it did a lot more unfair things. Hmm. Um. So, but I played a Thunder Dragon at Worlds, and I lost to the winner in top four, um, because with combo decks, you always have to take this sort of risk, um, sadly, uh, of like not opening well yeah. or putting your opponent on better habit. And I normal summon pretty much my only play where my where if this card went through, I won, and if it didn't, then I lost, and it got hand trapped, so I lost. Mm. And that's pretty much uh, the risk you have to take, though. Like, sure. I understood, like, the risk that I was taking whenever I went into the event. But I didn't want to top Worlds. I wanted to win Worlds. So I made my deck to, like, win the event and not top the event. Mm -hmm. And it backfired on me in top four, which I don't really mind. Honestly, I don't really mind at all. But yeah, a, it does suck showing. that I couldn't win. It, yeah. does, it sucks that I couldn't win. But losing in top four just makes me want to go back to Worlds and try again even yeah, more. Absolutely. So, so whenever all this uh, Corona stuff goes away, then I plan on Worlds grinding again hmm. to try to get a spot back at Worlds. Yeah. I Hey, I hope you're back there. You seem like you give US the best the best chance. I don't think anybody's come further, right? I think top four is probably the best um, we've done. The last time that... Because Eric Christensen back in 2016 got second, and David mm. Keener got uh, second in 2013. Okay. But after that, I've been the closest uh, um, since then. Yeah, and by far the most recent, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are there any cards you think that are underrated right now that aren't seeing enough play? Um... I don't know how many people are playing Bell. I think uh, I, I've hyped it enough to where people have started playing that card, but I think Ghost Bell is like probably the best hand trap in the meta right now. Mm -hmm. um, potential cards that could come back to the meta are XYZ Encore. I think that card uh, could be very, very good um, depending on the format. Uh, cards that we haven't seen in a while that I played in the LCS this past weekend were cards like Torrential Tribute and Needle Sealing to counter oh, wow. out to try to counteract these combo uh, decks that were making BFD and passing. Um, mm -hmm. So it was a different like approach that I took to counter those decks instead of playing more hand traps. Um, other cards that could come back into the meta. Um, none really like come to mind immediately, mm -hmm. but well, I, know, I know there are cards. There are cards that could come back to the meta uh, very soon whenever the new set gets released as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so why... I feel like a lot of people do like to kind of keep things 
under wrap a little bit, but it sounds like you're pretty open with the community yeah. and what you're playing. And like, like you said, you, you were willing to hype up ghost bell and still just like writing it out by yourself. Uh, is there, is there a reason why you feel so comfortable just like being so open about the cards you think are good and the decks you think are good and everything? Um, so for me, there, the only events right now are online mm-hmm. and for me, I stream, uh, every day. So people are going to see what I'm playing, where if mm-hmm. I don't want people to see something like that, then I can't actually like test since I don't play outside. Um, yeah. so usually what I do, I usually like have to theory a lot, which is how I make my decks. Usually I just uh, go off of theorying instead of test playing. And, um, usually I, I, I usually played the deck that I'm playing on stream for an event minus like barring like probably like five cards gotcha. uh, and those are the five cards that i think will give me an edge over other players gotcha so okay. that's usually how i go about it but usually whenever i'm playing on stream uh if i'm playing that is, i'm going to be playing the event uh unless something uh, very bad happens <laughs> like i i was playing drytron for the majority of last week um before the lcs and i switched to evil uh, live twins like two hours before I, I i switched to live twins like two hours before decklists were due because mm. i thought it would give me a better chance of winning gotcha so yeah it, it's uh it, i i don't really mind not being open with uh people like I, mm-hmm. I actually do like being open with people though, uh, because for me, I started uh, streaming to help people get better. Because it's not yeah. fun if like you go to a YCS and uh, for your first five rounds you just win automatically, like because like there's no competition. I like competition, so sure. I want people to get better at the game, and yeah. that's pretty much this is pretty much my way of like helping people. No, that's awesome. I, I think that's really great that you're willing to share and be open and help other people get better. So w- when you say you theory to build your decks, can you explain that a little bit? Because I, mm-hmm. I keep hearing that people don't play test as much and they do more theory. And we didn't do that back in the day. Everything was just play testing. Right. So I don't quite understand this theory. And I keep, I've had everybody come on and explain it basically. <laughs> like I asked Jesse and Asala and I'm like, and I kind of get it, but it seems like you're just going through combos and being like, okay, this is like how I would set up against this deck. This is how I would set up against this deck. This is how I'd play around this card. Is that is that correct? Um, so theoring isn't really about combos for me. Uh, theoring is about like w- the pros and cons of certain cards that I could potentially play in my deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, uh, people weren't playing Bell. I wasn't playing Bell at the time. And then it got uh, brought to my attention that Bell uh, could be good. So I pretty much just went through my head, all the pros, all the cons, like what cards does this hit? Um, what cards does Bell hit instead of cards like Skullmeister? Uh, which card hits more? Uh, when uh, is this a better card for me to hit than this card? Is it worth playing this card instead of this card? Mm. And uh, that's pretty much what I mean by theory is like, pretty much going over pros and cons and like uh i i guess it's uh like text uh for instance i i guess it's like sort of like tech cards and I that see. will give you an edge over uh other players or like gotcha. it can be combos as well um for 
for instance, I was playing uh, like Chaos Space and the Baby and White Dragons in my Tritron deck. Uh, I hadn't played them yet, and I played them on stream. Uh, all this was just off a of theory because mm -hmm. I thought these cards will be good. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much um, what I mean whenever I say theory. Gotcha. So, um, how do you how do you pre prepare for an event then? You do mostly theory do you do a balance of play testing and theory or do you have a, an approach to to play testing and getting ready for an event and do you like to play test a certain amount of hours or anything like that uh no not really i don't really like set myself to a certain amount of hours to play test um usually i i don't really play test for events either uh it's mm. mainly honestly just theory theory okay um like for like for worlds i only played probably like 15 hours in that entire month leading up to worlds wow uh i didn't really play test at all uh it was mainly all just theory for me uh hmm. building my deck and stuff and do you theory um, alone so, oh sorry go ahead uh uh i i i usually do i usually theory alone mm -hmm. unless i have someone else that uh i believe can actually help mm -hmm. uh what i'm thinking um pretty much i don't want to like theory with someone that will just immediately shoot down ideas mm. and like shoot down uh options of a card or a deck being played um so i usually do it alone unless i hit like a uh, wall and need like uh, opinions on how to make this actually work like mm. make a combo actually work how do i how do i get this deck to work and stuff like that gotcha uh so if you had to give advice one piece of advice to a player who wants to get better kind of take their game to the next level what what would you tell them oh, oh go ahead. um so i would probably tell them to uh honestly just research like you have so many resources available to you uh being twitch youtube ygo scope these facebook groups you have you you have like endless like uh resources hmm. at your disposal so like if you actually want to get better then you'll get better but like if you want to like only put like half of your effort into it then yeah, you'll see improvements, sure, but like you won't hit that next level like you want. Gotcha. Um, and also, if you don't want to spend that much time, you can also uh, uh, even think about uh, applying for coaching as mm -hmm. well. And maybe if like you had a brick wall and don't know how to like reasonably uh, think through stuff, uh, then maybe like coaches may help or something along those lines. Do you coach? Uh, yes, I uh, do uh, coaching. I, I do coaching um, by myself, pretty much. Gotcha. Uh, it, it, it's just me because I know like Duelist Academy does it and they have like 15 people on it. Uh, me, my coaching, I just do do it with just me, just myself. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, that's, that's good to know for anybody out there who might be interested. Um, so when you're building a side deck for an event, what do you take into consideration and in and um, are you do you do you pre-plan everything you're siding in, you're siding out, and how many spots are you willing to like dedicate to um, specific decks? 
Uh, usually I just play the most versatile cards in my side deck that hit the most matchups. Unless there's a deck that's like almost tier zero, like uh, for instance, like Goki. Um, like you had to like if you're not playing Goki, you have to put like dedicate specific cards for this matchup. Mm. Uh, Goki Spiral, all these different like tier zero decks that have uh, come up in the last couple of years. Um, usually, uh, I just I I don't really go over siding patterns. I, I usually just uh, wing it, honestly. Really? Wow. Yeah, I, I, I usually just wing it and pretty much uh, go off my own intuition and yeah. figure out what I think is the best and what's not the best uh, for certain scenarios. Okay. Yeah, I definitely agree with the, the versatility thing, I think. You definitely want to put plug cards in that are good versus multiple decks. Right. Um, if you could change one rule in Yu-Gi-Oh! right now, what would it be? More of a fun question. A rule. Um, probably have 50 minute rounds. 50 minute rounds? Yeah. I think the time, uh, I think the time rules are totally fine, but I think that we need like 45 to 50 minute rounds though. Hmm. Because they're, because it punishes the people that like actually practice is why. And they lose the time um, based upon their opponent because uh, usually it's your own fault, but sometimes it actually isn't your fault and it's your opponent's fault. And hmm. I think if we made our rounds probably like 50 minutes at a time, like Luxury does, then I think uh, there would be a lot more uh, happy people. Well, okay. But you're cool with the actual rules for time. Yeah, I think the time rule is fine. Okay. I, I think that time rule is fine. I, I think uh, if you sh- if you can't adapt to that time rule, then you shouldn't be topping the YCS anyway. Hmm. All right, that's cool. That makes sense. Um, do you have a favorite card of all time? Yeah, uh, actually, uh, my favorite card is Doom Caliber Knight. Doom Caliber Knight. Yeah. Uh, is there a story I, I know behind you that? Know what that is? I do know what that is. Yes. We're talking about the Shonen Jump version, of course. The, yeah, yeah. the Shonen Jump Doom Caliber Knight, to be specific. But is there yeah, is that, there a story behind that? Uh, just when, back in uh 2011, uh, whenever it got released as a Turbo Pack Ultra, I remember mm-hmm. I just like thought the card looked like very nice, like the entire like every time I saw, it, I just thought it looked so cool. Yeah, and I just wanted to play it in like every single deck, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, because I it, it was big. It was a four star. It had a big defense. It had a very good mm-hmm. effect at the time. And, like, it, it was just nice. It looked cool. And yeah. that that's pretty much why I, I like it so much. That makes sense. I know it's so weird coming back to the game now and seeing these cards that's, like, that just aren't playable anymore. Because, like, you yeah. can just kill that thing so easily. Like, you know, discard a hand trap or whatever. Summon a beat stick that gets over it. Or special summon a beat stick mm-hmm. that gets over it. And it's just, like, it sucks to see these cards that used to be so good that I enjoyed playing with that just now are like not usable. Yeah. But um, that, that's pretty much how like the game goes though. Like whenever Konami uh, power creeps, like all these yeah. different types of decks and stuff like that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Old cards phase out and new cards get bought and played. Yeah, exactly. Um, Do you have a favorite Yu-Gi-Oh story of all time or a favorite Yu-Gi-Oh moment? So there's so many good stories that happen throughout the years and events. Right. Uh, my favorite moment was for sure winning my top eight match at a uh, nationals and not mm. worlds, actually. 
Uh, um, and favorite story. Uh, there's so many. I know. There's right? just so many. Yeah. I, I've been to so many events. Like I, I, I don't think I could pick just one. <laughs> My favorite moment for sure is winning top eight in that. Uh, I, uh, I cried whenever I won. <laughs> <laughs> Just to, just because you got the ticket to Worlds, you're secured. So, so some backstory for that is I bubbled. I've bubbled every single nationals uh, that I've been to. Ugh. I've bubbled every single nets, and I've went to every single nets uh, from 2013 on. Wow! So I bubbled six nationals in a row, and then Jeez. whenever I finally won uh, in top eight, uh, it was overwhelming. <laughs> I'm sure. The- wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's a good story. It's like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> we finally break through. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I think I'm I'm basically out of questions. Do you have any shout outs you, you want to give to anybody or um to to yourself, your Twitch page, like luxury gaming, all that? Uh yeah. So uh first off, shout outs to my sponsors, uh luxury gaming. Um definitely check out the Facebook page. We host tournaments daily, every single day, multiple tournaments um for the more we have more expensive tournaments and we even have tournaments for like five dollars a piece and we usually do giveaways on the page as well uh we do like uh free entry tournaments uh where you can win like boxes at a time um so even if you don't want to spend money uh you guys can still uh, participate in the tournaments as well um next uh shout out to my twitch um twitch.tv slash cody angeloff like I said earlier, I stream every single weekday at 12 p.m. Central. And if you guys ever have any questions at all, then definitely, uh, you know, just come come in the chat, ask some questions, and I'll do my best to answer you guys. Even though it's a lot of people, uh, I do my <laughs> best to answer every single one of you, I promise. Um, And the last uh, thing I want to shout out is my coaching program, Take Notes. Um, If you guys want to pretty much take your game to the next level and uh, pretty much get coached to figure out what you're doing wrong, how to improve your gameplay, and you're serious about it, uh, definitely uh, message me on Discord or Facebook. Uh, I'll give Austin the links to be able to put in the description below. Um, but yeah, that's about that's about all the shout-outs I have. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for um taking the time to do this i really appreciate it and it was nice getting to know you through this and uh i definitely look forward to when we'll be able to meet in person once covid yeah, for and sure. events start up again <laughs> yeah for sure uh also it's no problem at all uh i like i said uh i just i want to help as many people as possible like get better at the game because like i said it, it's not fun like go, going to a ycs and know that you're going to top like mm-hmm. I, I want to challenge because at that point you is going to get very stale very fast, and I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I want I want to have some sort of uh, competitiveness whenever I go to an event, and I want people to get better. Yeah, it's cool. It seems like back when I used to play, the pro players or whatever were a lot more like clicky and secretive, and yeah. now it seems like everyone's more nicer and open and, and friendly and are looking to help people get better. So I'm really happy that there's people like you in the community and who are just willing to help other people get better and whatnot. 
yeah like like i said that's the only reason why i started streaming because i just want people to get better Mm -hmm. 